Um, this week I had the opportunity to speak with Pat Keegan from Pat Keegan Guitars. Um, Pat Keegan's located in Ulladulla uh, here in New South Wales in Australia and uh, he is a, uh, an independent builder who um, builds some very beautiful guitars. Um, he uses uh, reclaimed timbers, he uses reclaimed necks, he also builds his own necks. Very talented bloke and uh, was a, uh, an absolute pleasure to, uh, to interview. Um, this week also um, marks the return for 2018 for us, and um, I do. I am promising to have a lot more interviews and a lot more content. Um, the end of last year saw me kind of burn out a little bit, so I apologise for that. Uh, it also saw the changeover from the um, Cigar Box Guitar Builder podcast to um, to the format that we've got now. And it, it, as I said before, and I've said before, it just it's simply. Um, there are a lot of builders out there that I wanted to speak to who weren't just necessarily cigar box guitar cigar box guitar builders. So um, uh, it also, I suppose, follows on from from my love of building um, solid body electric guitars as well. Uh, so I'm hoping that um, I haven't received any negative feedback so far. So um, you know, it, it's good to get feedback though. Having said that, so if you if you don't like the new format, please be sure to let me know. Send me a message. Um, join the group, uh, the Facebook group. And um, a big thank you to one of our uh, one of the show's followers who has become our first patron. Um, so that was actually a real um, a real emotional kind of boost for me to just to say that someone's actually um, yeah someone's actually appreciating the you know the effort that it that it takes to actually put on a podcast to, to you know to find guests and and um, and kind of uh, promote um, the builders out there. Um, you know, you know, all know that I, I, I run two businesses, a cigar box guitar building business under the name of Birdwood Guitars and an electric guitar, solid body electric guitar business um, that goes under the moniker of Retro Electric Guitars. Uh, and now I'm starting to do pedals as well. So, you know, I'd be very interested if any one of you out there builds pedals, um, you're a small time pedal builder or an independent pedal builder, um, let me know. It'd be awesome to have a chat. Um, if you're an amp builder, if you build amps or you know people that build amps, I'd love to have a chat to anyone and everything. So um, anyway, with no further ado, we'll start off with the interview with um, with Pat, and uh, thanks for listening. All right, so... Um, Let's throw this puppy out onto the road and see who runs over it. Yeah. <laughs> or, or at least looks it up, you know. <laughs> um, well, here with me is Pat Keegan uh, from Pat Keegan Guitars. Uh, welcome and um, thank you for uh, for joining us. Thank you for having us, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here. That's great. Now, you're, um, you first came to um, attention to me via uh, another, actually, Australian podcast. Um, I th- is it Guitar Talk? I think it was Guitar it's Speak. Guitar Speak Podcast, yep. That's it, Guitar Speak Podcast. And... Um, and yeah, one of he doesn't do a lot of um, he doesn't do a lot of, of builder. It seems to me he doesn't do a lot of builder um, interviews. It's a lot no, more. With, yeah, it's more with players. The so re- the reason I got in there early, Adam, was in one of his early podcasts, was because I've actually built a guitar for uh, him. So thank you, Matthew. If you ever watch this one, <laughs> I hope so. I listen to his. <laughs> um. Well, I suppose where's the where's the best place to start with um, with you? I, I think probably your 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 history. How did um, how did we find it? How did uh, how did you find out that you love building guitars? Well, 
Uh, I wanted a Telecaster, and I wanted I wanted a Paisley Telecaster, and I looked around and I thought I could do that. So I made myself a Paisley Telecaster, and there was no holding back after that. That was about five years ago, 2012, I think I made my first guitar. Oh wow! And had you had woodworking experience before that? Uh, just chainsaws count as woodworking experience. Oh. <laughs> Well, anything with wood, I suppose. But had you had you actually built anything before before building a guitar? Uh, nothing to speak of, but I've used a lot of chainsaws. <laughs> well, you certainly don't use chainsaws to build these. They're, no, they're... I don't. I don't. And, um, I've really, I, I've been exposed to a bit of woodwork through my my working life. I worked for National Parks and Wildlife for twenty seven years, so building park furniture and uh, park facilities. That's about the limit of my woodworking. Well, to build a good seat, I mean, that's got to be a good foundation, doesn't it, to build a good seat? If it's not... and, and thinking back on it, the uh, I think one of the uh, key issues in my woodworking career through uh, my working life was using a plunge router, a big heavy-duty industrial plunge router. And I have a feeling that that's probably one of the most daunting tools for people to pick up and use so maybe maybe uh, my work with parks had, um, had helped me i'd say so i'd say so um probably yeah the plunge router for me is is without a doubt probably the most terrifying tool barring my table router i think because i've got a um the only table router that i've got is a um uh one i got from what was it ikea not ikea um, um aldi i got it from aldi and it's it's bolted to the bench at the moment and it's it does use a it does use an old um makita um uh, does actually use an old makita um uh, uh uh router but it's not a plunge router thank thank goodness it actually it's quite quite fixed but the the table router i think a lot of people kind of like the idea of the table i don't i like having the router in my hand and being able to use the template and I just find off strangely I seem to have more control with it but early on in my career I had a couple of goes at the table router and that's one of the scariest scariest experiences of my life yeah I, I almost injured myself very badly with the table router so it didn't take me long to go back to just the handheld plunge router yeah Yep. And, and I have no dramas with that now although you know what every time I pick that up I say to myself be careful yeah yeah I, I think that's that's the big thing bear with me just two seconds Pat sorry mate no you're right yeah so for everybody who was just listening we just had a little pause then and um the little pause get it P-A-W-S um because uh I had um my little dog Prince he was barking I, I try not to let him out because um We've had some had some uh, people say, "Oh, you, I I don't want to hear the dog barking on the you know I don't particularly mind, but it also means I lose track of I don't multitask well. I I like being focused on just that one thing. So as sorry, my apologies. As you were saying, uh, I think um, I was telling you that every time I pick that plunge router up, I I remind myself to be very careful because it can do some real damage. Yeah, yeah, and uh, make, sure, make sure you tighten the collet so that the 
bit doesn't. Yeah, it's yeah, that's yeah, that's that's definitely uh, uh, something to something to worry about. Um, I had a a situation recently when I was building a guitar neck where um, I it had been quite a while since I had built um, a standard electric guitar neck um, because the bread and butter for my business is cigar box guitars, and they use a very straight neck. Um, and the one thing that you don't need to do with those particular guitars is route the the end of the um, the end of the neck, yep. you know, and down past the twenty second or twenty fourth fret. You don't need to go. And I was routing, and I'm usually very, very, very careful. And um, I just wasn't. I think the biggest thing was I just wasn't thinking, and I went. I routed down the neck along the template, down the other side of the neck, and then instead of taking it away and sanding, you know, put get, getting onto my getting onto the um, the uh, the sanding station that I've got and sanding the uh, sanding the curve into the uh, into the base of the neck, I went and, went to try to do it with the table router, and of course it hit the end grain and just went snap, and it just ooh, and it was just yeah, it was just a, a pure. Um, a pure wake-up call and adrenaline hit um and it could have been worse as it was it it was such a clean break i was actually able to 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 glue the piece back onto the neck and that's that's my own my own instrument i was building my own one so um but, so it was a clean break but more than anything it was a great lesson in in um don't use a table router to do end grain on the back on the end of the neck. And of course, every time you pick that instrument up now, you'll be reminded of that. Yeah, yeah. It um it was definitely a a, a safety wake up call, and I'm glad I've still got all all, all eight of my fingers and two of my thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Uh, and and even things like um, I suppose. What, Let's talk about tools. Let's talk about the the tools that you're using to build to to build your instruments. What 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 kind of have you got a, a heavily set up shop or are you a small situation? What's what's the what's the deal? Very small situation. I, I do my woodwork in half of our double garage, and most of my woodwork is done with the plunge router. Uh, I do have a small uh, Bosch uh, one-handed router for doing edging whatever oh yes um and, and i also have a small uh room for doing my soldering and, mm. and neck work and whatever but oh your routers is it is it this uh, one here stuff with yeah that's right it's a very good work with where is it oh i've got the ryobi one is it that oh, one okay. is yep. it that one there yep that kind of size yeah yeah the bosch is very similar to that one can you see the bit that i've got in there So what do you think I use that one for? Oh, um, trash rod. Yep, spot on. <laughs> spot on. Yeah, it's it's a great little um, it's a great little little unit for that. And um, I had the uh, I had the table source uh, the table um router set up with the um, uh, with the fence on it, but it just again it was just one of those situations where I couldn't quite see what I was doing because everything's upside down. Um. So I end up yes, using... I'm, yeah, I, I use that. That's a really valid point, and I hadn't thought of that before. Uh, working upside down with the table router is, is a little disorienting. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's... It, it, I think disorienting in the, in the fact that you've got to you've got to actively think which direction is the is the bit spinning which direction is is which which is a cut you know is it cutting is it cutting now clockwise or anti-clockwise and i think yeah. the my and how, is, and how is the grain interacting with with the bit yeah see that's that for me that's my that's my weakness that's what that's my learning curve i'm still learning very much about uh, how how the grain interacts with uh, you know with the bits how does the grain interact uh, with sanding procedures and things like that because I come from I come from a non woodworking background I come from fashion retail <laughs> so, yeah so I've always you know I was always quite handy I could always kind of throw myself into anything but um, for me it was learn about the form and function how do i cut how do i um how do i build a guitar because i learned from books basically i didn't have anyone you know to 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 learn from and when i started out there were no podcasts and um and for me it's it's meeting people like yourself who've got more experience with woodwork um people like mark wilmot from MRWS, who's a part supplier specifically or mainly for cigar box guitars, but he's got a massive woodworking background, um, you know. And so many people who I'm talking to, and I'm just kind of, I'm trying to be a sponge and soak up everything. But as with the table router, sometimes I think it's you learn from experience and you learn from looking at the grain, looking at effect, look basically looking at a stuff up <laughs> and saying. Yeah, that happened because, you know, yeah. if you can take a lesson out of each of those stuff ups, yeah, yeah, you're I, a long way. I've learnt many lessons, <laughs> many, many, and I'm still learning because, them. Of course, one of the good things about being a, a woodworker is that you can learn your mistakes. Yes, especially in the in the. Everyone needs to save them. Save them up for winter. Yeah. <laughs> so I do. I do. So what what other what other two where how uh, the setup of your shop how how is it set up? Uh, I have one little workstation uh, that I do all my work on, and the tools that I use are limited to a jigsaw, yep, uh, a plunge router, a uh, a small Bosch handheld router. Mm, that's getting pretty close to it um, and lots of sandpaper uh, and a, a, a random orbital sander yeah yeah I've started using my random orbital sander a, a hell of a lot because I've been um, one of my fun things is, is finding old guitars that are unloved and unwanted and in dire yeah. need of help and trying to bring them back bring them back to life and I've, I've happily been able to do that with, with quite a few but um yeah, sanding is sanding is the big. What do you spend ninety percent of your time doing building a guitar? Sanding. And, <laughs> uh, the, what I do miss, I had uh, I had access to it during my working life. I had access to a, a big industrial thicknesser, which was just wonderful. Yeah. Uh, uh, I have myself a little table uh, a planer which gets used a little bit, but it's not not all the time. Yeah. Uh, but 
there's always uh, there's always people around who have better workshop setups than me who are, are happy to help out on occasions when I need assistance, like yeah. something thickness or yeah, yeah. That's my thickness. I don't, things... I'm, I, I don't think I'm power tool heavy in my yeah. My I think one of the I think when you're using hand tools, I think you've got to, in some in some ways, you've got to be trained how to use hand tools mm-hmm. properly, as in mm-hmm. hand planers and, you know, the Stanley hand planers and things like that. And um, mm-hmm. I think nowadays with, you know, nowadays with YouTube and with, um, you know, shows like, you know, uh, YouTube, things like Crimson Guitars and, and all of those kind of programs, and I think it's... It's handy because you can you can watch a lot of those a lot of those shows a lot of those programs and get ideas and of how to do it. But there's nothing I think there's nothing like having um, having someone standing over your shoulder and saying no, that's no that's not right that's not working. Go back and do it again. Go back and do it again. Um, the hardest thing for me I think is using a hand plane, and this this. I think that the biggest thing that holds beginner builders back or hobby guitar builders back is is that problem of leveling, having everything level. And yep. it's very difficult if you aren't trained to use or you don't have the... Because I've only got that little number... Is that... A, I can't remember what number that is. That's an old... Five is, or four. Yeah, it's an old Bailey. This is an old Bailey one. Australian-made hand plane. It's a gorgeous thing. It's got Stanley bits on it. Um... But it's it's a beautiful hand plane, and it's the thing for me is that um, the most I use that for is usually trimming down um, the sides of fretboards on cigar box guitar necks because they start straight. Yep. There's no there's no um, widening of a of a headstock because a lot of the cigar box guitars that I build have got a uh, have got a straight uh, straight headstock. Um, so I tend to use that, and I've learnt just through doing that I'm learning more about how grain interacts with the blade how if the grain is running up towards the blade I tend to find there's a lot more there's a lot more cut out this it's it chunks out a lot more um but the hardest thing is I think finding or creating that perfect 90 degree cut you know to the face to join to actually join timbers um, yeah, that's that for because I don't have the right tool tools for that. I had a um, again another Aldi uh, when I started off building guitars and building cigar box guitars. A lot of my stuff came from Aldi sales and came from Azito and and those kind of brands. And I'm now finding as I'm as I'm progressing, as I'm getting better at what I do, um, mm-hmm. and I'm now building especially now that I'm building a lot more electric guitars, um, I'm finding that those simple, inexpensive units are now not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where I was just using the, uh, the the thickness of the Aldi thicknesser and I actually broke it. It actually broke. And it was just... <laughs> the table itself um, that... The table, it's, it's... As you know, if you get a, um, a Ryobi, for example, and I'm not... I'm not sponsored by them or anything like that I just tend to find that the better tools that I've got at the moment that step up for me is Rio because they're still they're still cost they're not too scary cost wise but they're better than you know that's that they're that level up um 
but I'm fine if you go and find the five hundred dollar thicknesser, you've it the, the timber sits on the base and you lower down the blades. The blade mm-hmm. actually comes down, the motor and the blade actually uh-huh. comes down. Whereas with this particular one it uh, it actually the timber actually sits on a little table and it goes through and again it cuts from the top but the table lifts up and what actually happened was that because I've used it so extensively over the last three and a half years it the the, the support beam that runs underneath it because it's cheaply made it just it snapped and it broke and of course now the table it's not sitting purely flat it actually has a bend in it now so it's that's yeah it's it's been given the roger so <laughs> so yeah it's that's that's not so good but um yeah, as you were saying, it, getting out and seeing people, meeting people, and 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 um, that is a way around um, doing that. For me, it's a little easier now because I'm doing '60s inspired instruments like the Tesco and and um, Kawai inspired instruments, and and all of those guitars were made using 30 mil um, industrial ply, which is what I'm using now, which is all flat. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's great, you know. So I'm having a lot of fun with that stuff. It's it's um. It's wonderful, but um, yeah, I think until I'm saving up basically to get a decent plane of thickness now. So when I do, I'll be getting back into some lovely timbers like yours. So let's talk about and, the timber. And when you when you do, I'll I'll be loading my van up and I'll be coming up to your place. Yeah, you'll probably have to show me how to use it properly. <laughs> um, bear with me, mate. Sorry, my my absolute apologies. I've and we're back again. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, so timbers. What what are your what are your favourite timbers? Uh, pallet pine. Pine. Now I love pine, but what pine? We're not talking. Uh, what? Where do you? Where pallet, does, pallet pine. Any pine. Pallet. I love it. It's great. And the, the funkier the better. There's a lot of a lot of guitars that I make. I keep the texture. Yep. Um, of the the pallet wood. Um, so, for instance, if I'm doing uh, a fabric top, yep. I'll have a, a I'll sand the top of it very smooth for the fabric, but I'll leave the back of it um, heavily textured, and that gets um, that gets treated with various products to make it nice and yes, I nice to hold. I love what you do with with that with the textured timbers. It's just um, it's absolutely beautiful and. And people find it difficult to believe that it's uh, it was once a pallet uh, in a mm. warehouse moving moving shit around the country. But yeah, there you yeah. Go. Uh, look, I, I do use a lot of other timbers. So I, I like Australian red cedar, um, uh, Queensland maple, Fiji mahogany. I use all that as well. Uh, usually for uh, if I'm doing custom work, yeah, uh, and also it depends on the guitar that I'm building. If it's stuff that I really, I need to do some serious milling on, say to put a, a mastery bridge in. Yep. Um, it's, or a mastery trim system. Uh, it's it's not that easy to, to mill pallet pine to put those types of things on the guitar. So I tend to use the, the better quality yep. timber for the job. Yeah. With uh, the, the pallet timber, Sorry? Sorry, I was just thinking with the pallet timber, which part of the pallets yep. are you using? You use the flat are you using the flat or the thicker or the thicker parts? That's a good question because I at times I use both. Mainly the flat 
sawn timber. Yep. Uh, occasionally I'll use the, I suppose you call them spaces. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, are they are they a hardwood though? So I've always I've always someone told me once that the that the spaces for the pallets are actually a harder wood than the pine. I'm not no. sure if that's uh, right. Well, if it's the same, depends where the pallet comes from. If sure. it's a general, there's so many different types. But mm. in general, I use pine uh, pallets that have pine flats yep. and also pine beams. Yep. They tend to shop away from hardwood ones that are a little outside. I don't handle it very yeah. well. So do you, do you, um, the the other I like this and that's one of the buzzes that I get from using the pallets. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of the stuff that I I use would be going to the tip. Mm. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I also, um, I've also found a guy in Melbourne called. Um, his business is called Urban Salvage. Oh, yeah. And, and he sells a lot of uh, recycled timber. Yeah. And how do you find getting... See, I always worry about transportation costs for, for, for that type of thing. Because it's yeah. not exactly something you can send through you know, the post, we, is it? I, I tend to buy one or two packs of stuff off him a year. Yeah. And, oh, uh, the freight's not too bad. And, and, you know, I try and add it into my production costs yeah um, he's in a, a suburb of Melbourne called Spotswood I, I try and get down to him at least once a year and, and buy a pack of different bits and pieces yeah maybe the shipping cost is usually maybe 120 bucks to get it from Melbourne up here to dollar mm. and how and if I spread the cost out over say 10 jobs that's, yeah, that's not too bad yeah well, speaking of jobs, how many guitars are you building a year at the moment? Ah, well, that's a, another very good question. Uh, I was building, while I was working, my day job, I was probably doing about 10 or 12 a year. Yeah. Uh, last year, my first year of retirement, I built about 25. Um, but I've set my sights a little bit lower this year. I'm, I'm hoping to maybe do... 12, 15 guitars. Oh, okay. I've got some travel plans uh, oh. and I, I will be tied up in the workshop all yeah. year long. Well, see, that's funny, isn't it? Because you've retired and, of course, now you're hard at work. Well, it's not a retirement. It's a it's a career change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Um... I'm in uh, I'm in a very similar type of situation where uh, I'm a I'm a temporary teacher, so I'm a, a teacher, and I've been working at you know probably t you know teaching for the last eight years. I'm I'm 46 now, and because uh, I had a late career change, and in the last few years, of course, I've been building this little business, this little you know this little you know enterprise. I've done that with air quotes for people who you know haven't got TV. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> And I, I'm in a situation now where I have found myself that I don't want, after 20-something years of driving an hour and a half each way to work for various different jobs, I've never, I've never lived in, I've never worked and lived in the same area. I've always had an hour and a half drive or an hour drive at minimum. And after 20 years of doing that, I just, I was at the end of it. So now I'm, I'm basically technically, technically self-employed. And this is, and this is it. This 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 little enterprise is you know is is now what I you know now what I do. Um, it's a nice feeling, isn't it? 
it it's it is a nice feeling and it's also terrifying <laughs> because you know it's it is it's you know you, you, there's bills to pay and you know mortgages to pay and yes yes and um I think that the hardest thing that I've found is, is especially because it's school holidays at the moment and the kids are home, it's, it's creating a, um, it's creating a time, basically a time, a schedule and saying this, this particular job needs to be done by this time. This is when I do these certain jobs. Um, because I think as a builder, um, and I'm selling on multiple fronts. I'm selling on mainly on you know mainly through eBay markets, mm-hmm. the very odd festival. I don't I don't do many of them, um, and also through my own website, which I've had the fun over the last couple of weeks of having to completely change over from one to another. Keeping up the Facebook page, keeping up instagram which i've found personally to be a lot better than facebook i'm enjoying using that a lot more and i'm getting a lot more feedback from from instagram which is really nice um it's it is a juggling experience i think from my point of view um and with yourself i've most of what I find on Instagram is I find these beautiful pictures of the guitars you're building, but you also talk a lot about a pop-up shop. So do you want to explain to the listeners what a pop-up shop is and what and what you do there? Sure. Uh, I know some people who have a, uh, currently a vacant shop. They don't have it leased at the moment. It's in the main shopping precinct of Old Donald. Yep. And they very kindly, without a lease or any money exchanging hands they let me go in for a couple of hours i take my guitars in i set up a little i set up an amp or two so people can come in and, and play and i do about three hours three and a half hours on a friday morning there <laughs> i advertise just... it through instagram and folks can come along and have a look at my guitars um, they can sit down and play them no obligation yep we can just jam along i, I have a couple of bass guitars usually with me so we can jam out oh that's wonderful fun. yeah <laughs> that's great so if people uh, people have that opportunity i would highly recommend doing the, the pop-up shop approach and it's social as well yeah gets yeah you out of the workshop it makes you talk to people mm. Well, I'm, consi- I'm, I'm considering the same thing here in Hazelbrook because we've there, there's quite a few in our little local shopping district here there's quite a few little um shops that are uh, that, that that aren't being leased at the moment but the problem yep. is of course that, that they're so greedy for money um the, yeah. the rent up yep. in this area is just it's mm-hmm. just astronomical and instead of having a body in a shop you know for a reduced rent it's it's i find that you know it's it is a little bit ridiculous but i, I must admit you know and that and that's for that's for standard standard rental because at the time i was thinking about um you know, will I will you know will I open a shop? I could open yeah. a shop because, but well, I can't open a shop. I can't afford to open a shop. Uh, can I? <laughs> you know, so all of these uh, plans. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a it's a bit of a killer if you don't have access to somewhere with a a, a more than reasonable rental. Yeah, yeah, and the idea of spending a you know a hundred dollars on you know for a day on a pop up shop or something like that, if that was the case. And not getting a sale, that 
moderately terrifying kind of prospect. Whereas at least if you do the markets, it's only twenty five dollars, and you know, and you do have people passing by. And I'm just getting back into markets. Do you do markets yourself or? No, I don't. I have looked at it. Um, I, I sort of object to um, paying insurance to appear in markets. Uh, so at the moment, I haven't gone down that route. It, it's something that I'll possibly reconsider yeah. in the future. Yeah. We you, have... You've done some markets. Sorry? You have done some markets, huh? Yeah, I, um, I, I, two years ago, I was doing markets every every second weekend. And um, I, with my full-time job and with, with the markets and then with trying to do festivals, and then I just burnt out. And I, I, was, start, I was suffering from quite a bit of exhaustion. And um, it's only now that you know i've i've my teaching is reducing a bit that i'm actually thinking now well okay well this is part of it's doing the markets now theoretically is part of my business so to do that i'm I'm thinking one day a week um doing the markets and doing them again um they're always good and i think the thing the biggest thing about the markets is yes it's when i look around and i see other people with stalls there and they're selling bric-a-brac or they're selling uh, secondhand goods or they're selling um, candles and things like that and if you're spending upwards of $40 for the spot uh, if you're selling $5 candles well there's there's eight units that you don't you don't get the money for that that goes directly that's an expense that goes and then you've got you know you, the food vans and you've got all of that sort of stuff so when I sell a guitar which is you know um and my guitars range from you know a hundred and a hundred and seventy nine dollars for a basic cigar box guitar fretless cigar box guitar upwards to you know um i'll take along a four hundred and fifty dollar cigar box guitar um but now i'm also taking along you know a selection of my old you know revamped tescos and my own guitars that i'm building as well which you know which which are at a higher price the biggest thing for me is actually getting the cards and handing the cards out to people because you don't always get the sales straight away. And so for me, it's ad, ad, for me the markets are a lovely form of local advertising, which is what yes. you do with the with the uh, the shop. Yes, it's, for me, it's about uh, people getting to know my name, uh, giving out cards, which and my cards uh, let people know they can find me on Facebook on Instagram, wherever. Um, that's that's very important to me, getting those cards out, uh, probably as, as important as selling guitars. The shop has been good for me because I've been uh, I've been taking uh, custom orders through there. Yep. Selling stuff that I've made on spec, stock guitars, I call them. Mm, mm. Let's talk about the guitars again, because uh, when you when you started building them, uh, I understand you were using pre-made necks. Is that correct? Uh, yes, and I, I still do use pre-made necks. I use I repurpose necks that I buy uh, off eBay and, yep. and various people. I've got I've got people around the place that keep a lookout for me and uh, provide me with necks, um, as well as uh, making my own That's, electric necks. Yeah, yeah, and I it's. So, but you know, if if I've got to spend. I reckon close to three days all up for me to make a, a nice neck, yeah. good quality neck. Um, and if I'm trying to sell one of my pallet casters for $500, mm. it's, 
um, three days work on a neck is soaks up a fair bit of profit out of that five hundred dollars so yeah it's, I, I, in some cases i'm very happy to uh, to repurpose a neck maybe a, a, a squire neck yeah which i'll tweak and do certain voodoo things to yep. to make it a little bit nicer um and that that gives me it gives me some options yeah yeah, and I think that's probably the, that's one of the one of the biggest things as uh, an independent um, builder. Um, you know, as a small business, the idea of uh, I don't think that we, I don't think that we charge enough for time. Um, regardless of the the cost of parts, now I notice that you use a lot of McNelly pickups as well. Now they are not cheap. Well, they're not cheap, but um, Tim McNally sells to me at wholesale prices. Yep, yep. Which a lot of the other manufacturers won't do because I'm I'm just small time. Yeah, yep. So that's what that's one of the apart from the fact that I like his work and his yep. pickups are good quality and sound great, he gives them to me at a reasonable price, yep. which which helps with my profit margin. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. His his pickups are one of they they just yeah for me it's looking at what he does and the sound it, they are they're they're definitely one of my favourites. Um, I I love what he does and the wiring and uh yeah it's just they're beautifully done. So for oh, you right. to be able to put those in your guitars is just so such very a happy to use those uh, those pickups. Mm. Um, there's probably Australian made pickups so that I could be using, but uh, I couldn't sell my guitars at the price that I sell them now by using them. Yeah, yeah, and no, and that's the truth. That that is that is you know that is the truth. Um, you know, I am. There's also the op- there's also the option down the track, Adam, to make my own pickups. Yes. Which I'm sort of, I'm, I'm interested in. It's, no, I haven't said no. I will never wind my own pickups. Yeah, I think there's a there, there's there, there's two um there's there's two different um there's two different uh I suppose philosophies behind it. One is that there's there's some sort of magic, there's some sort of voodoo involved in in creating the magic tone, and then there's the other idea of just stick it on a bloody winder and wind it up and see what happens you know if, if you're going to have 5,000 turns well let's scatter wind that just, you know yeah. get, get yeah. a turn on it and and it's interesting when you when 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 you look at discussions sometimes between the two different the two different factions you know me uh, I probably lean more towards the the I'm a bit more pragmatic I suppose I just I, I like the idea of just saying okay well if it's going to have 5,000 winds it's going to have you know this it'll have around this kind of impotence or it'll have you know it'll be it'll have this kind of tone or it'll you know that for me it's that it's not um i don't know there's no for me there's no magic in it i kind of like the idea of the science aspect of it you know it's um but then again you know i i believe that you know i'm a bit crazy i believe that guitars have have some sort of mojo in them i don't know that's that's why i get i get so sad i get so angry and i get so sad when i get some of these guitars that i that i rebuild sometimes i sit there looking at them and i'm shaking my head and i'm actually and i'm angry and i'm looking at it going how the can somebody 
do this to you. <laughs> you know, I, I, I got one, um, I got one, um, I've been chatting about it on with, with, um, uh, a guy in the States who's got a, uh, who's a big guy, tone guy in the States, um, about a, a little Kawhi S1 that I've been rebuilding. And the, the curious factor of it is the thing, one of the things that I love most about Japanese guitars is the fact that they've got this, this really weird history, this, this bizarre, um, the only word I can think of is, is, um, almost incestuous history <laughs> because right. all of the companies spawn from other companies they're all yes. part of the parent yep. company but they're all but then they're <laughs> blending over to this company and then it's this bizarre relationship that these Japanese companies had in the 60s and learning about it and the more I the more deeply I'm delving into it the more mystery there is the more the more of this this crazy um I'm just trying to imagine the the hype and the um, and the uh, the pressure that some of these companies must have been under to build so many guitars in such a tiny amount of time, like between '64 and '69 and '69, especially in that era um, of that Beatles mania, that complete insanity that that spawned the guitar buying frenzy. And anyway, I'm getting back to this guitar when it turned up the the um the elect the electrics were when i opened it up the guy on ebay said oh it all works fine of course when i got it it didn't work at all and when i opened it up all the electrics were held together with masking tape and wound on and wound incorrectly and um someone had i think i put on my uh, on the uh on the on my website uh where i've got the guitar now for sale um I wrote a monkey with a monkey with a paintbrush must have painted it because I've just gone over it. They went over it in some <laughs> lacquer, so I ended up thinking, "Am I going to am I going to hit it with chemicals and take it back?" I don't want, I don't like using chemicals. I'm I'm not I'm not big on it, and I don't like the idea of putting chemicals into the timber and then selling it on. And it's just a me thing, you know. I don't like it, so I sanded it. I got the orbital sander out, eighty grit, <laughs> caused a lot of dust. Can we take a break? Hundred percent, absolutely. Could we just take a break? Yep. All right, we are back. Um, yes. Now we were talking just briefly about um, we were talking about McNelly pickups. Now there's another supplier that I know that you use. I think it's Armadillo. Oh yeah. Armadillo. Yeah. So let's talk because a lot of people may not know about Armadillo. A guy called Mike in Austin, Texas, who is. Um, have a small engineering works and he produces uh, metal guitar parts bridges uh, knobs uh, I use his uh, I use his tone blocks instead of using six individual string ferrules in the back of the guitar I put a, a brass tone block in so yeah armadillo yeah. get so so why did you why did you go to the tone block? Uh, I think it adds to the sustain uh, and the overall tone. I know people will argue that the strings only vibrate between the nut and the the saddle, uh, but I think there is energy transference right through the string, past the the saddle, down into 
wherever you're attaching the string. Yep. And yeah, I, I like I like what the brass stone blocks do. Yeah. It also looks really cool. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone else out there using them on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it, it is it is something that's quite interesting, and it's it's I, I think as you were saying, it it's definitely up for debate, um, and it's the same as tone. You know, it's the same as the idea of tone woods. You know, and and the argument behind tone woods, and I think the thing that's that's most important is as a builder, you're building your you are building the best instrument you know, the, the best instrument that you can build. And I think what's really important is when you find something and something like the tone block that, and I haven't used it before, and I'm um, I'm curious about it myself, to be honest with you. And when you find something, you've obviously heard it. You've obviously heard oh, yeah. it or you've felt it in. Yep. And mm-hmm. so, so you can't say that it's not true. Do you know what I mean? Whereas somebody else may I mean, pick up. Still got a degree of. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. It worked, worked for me. Yeah, and that's it. And that's what that's what you build. You build the thing that speaks to you. You build that thing, and and there, you know, and there's me getting all philosophical now because it's. <laughs> the... My. My philosophy is that if I'm happy to gig with one of my guitars, I'm happy to sell it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If it doesn't sound right to my ears, I won't gig it. Yeah. I won't play it with my band and and I wouldn't sell it. So, and I I like what the tone blocks have done for the sound of my guitars. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So go out there, guys. Get on with people. Yeah. You know, support a you know support a small time guy. So, you know, we, I, I see. I love the idea of supporting the small guys. You know, I love the idea of supporting someone who's developed something, who's found something, who's gone. I have an idea. You know, is it is it going to work? Now there might be some people who try it and they go, eh. There might be other people like yourself who go, yeah, I can hear that. I can that that works. That really really works. You know, and that's the thing. You know, that's. It's like saying brass saddles, brass saddles or brass nuts. Is a brass nut better than a bone nut? Is it better than, you know, is a rich light fretboard going to be as good as a, an ebony or a rosewood fretboard? You know, is uh, torrified timber right for my guitar? Does it sound right? Does it, you know, it's there's so many, there's so many different ways of approaching an instrument and not necessarily from an aesthetic point of view but yep. from an emotional point of view. And and this is this is the thing that I find is is sad sometimes with a lot of the 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 mass produced kind of instruments sometimes is that they are coming off these assembly belts. And I'll, I'll talk about um what's his name? Uh um um no, I'm not thinking about it because it's just come into my head now. And this this whole discussion that YouTube just recently came up with. Who's the guy that built the unicorns? He's Finnish. Um, he's from Finland. I'm just trying to think. I'll talk. Oh, that's all right. I'll talk no, about. I, I I think it comes down to this idea of of, of mass produced guitars, which is ironic, of course, because I'm I'm a big fan of mass produced Japanese guitars from the '60s. But <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's the irony of it, of course. Now that they're, they're you know, they're, they 
they have but I think they've got age they've got they've got history anyway um so it's people like yourself who um who are building one-off instruments that um and you're obviously a strat fan, a, a telecaster fan you love your tellies but i've noticed you started you started um you're doing some lps lp versions as well i can yeah, see one on the a, wall behind you there's a few <laughs> yeah i do i do a few um lp versions and uh yeah. Yes, I can yeah, see I that. Yeah. Tellies. Yeah. Uh, and there's not a lot of product around at the moment mm. that was designed originally in the late 1940s and is still pretty much the same design mm. as then. There's not too many, not too many products around. Yeah. And, you know, Leo got it wrong. I'm just riding on Leo's coattail. Yeah, absolutely. You don't make Fender guitars, but you. Love them. <laughs> I do, and, and I, I regard the stuff that I do as my homage. Yeah. To, uh, yeah, absolutely. What I mean. What the I mean. the thing that I like about your instruments, though, is you. There's a Pat Keegan vibe about them, and when you look at them, you can you <laughs> like they're not. Yeah, there there are, and that's one of the reasons I was so okay. happy to be able to have a chat with you today because you know. When I when whenever you put the guitars up on Instagram or put images up on Instagram of of, of your guitars, I can tell I, I can tell that they're not they're not a Fender, and I mean that in the highest of possible yes. regards because I I'm I'm a I'm a big Fender fan. I, I love Fender guitars. Don't get me wrong, but um, your instruments that they definitely have uh they have the maker's mark, and I mean that with the greatest of respect. It's the fact that you. Is a thing like when you look at, um, you know, when I look at an uh, when I look at an Ormsby or something like that, you know, one of his hand built guitars, he just you can tell it's him. You can tell it's his 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 shop. Oh yeah, he's just he's just he's such, you know, it, it, it's so wonderful to see an Australian builder, you know, an independent Australian builder like that getting you know getting that kind of recognition now. Um, and there's other people, you know, there's other people who I'm a huge fan of, like um, uh, JP um, Guitars down in Tassie. Um, yes. Sorry? JPGW. Yeah, yeah, JPGW. Uh, Andrew from Harvester Guitars. I'd love to introduce, uh, interview Andrew. He's, he's, he's done quite a few, I know, so I don't know. I might need to wait a while until something new happens. So This is a funny thing, because I, I wanted to talk to you for ages for the podcast, but when I listened to your previous podcast, um, uh, you know, with Guitar Speak, I, I didn't want to contact you so soon. I wanted to let a little bit of time um, okay. kind of pass because I, I knew that there was, in the meantime, since I heard that first interview with you, you've brought in quite a few different things now. Like you are making your own necks, which I think at the time when I heard well, the interview, I you wasn't were doing those. Yeah, and I wasn't doing uh, fabric tops. Yeah, and how you find? How have you found the fabric tops? How have you found them? Found them? Uh, they just. They just shoot out the door as soon as so fast as I can make them. 
absolutely. <laughs> and with the fabric tops, when you when you actually are applying applying the um, uh, applying the top, how are you actually doing it? Can you does it? Because I don't have one in front of me. It's hard for me to tell. And the people listening, they can't actually see them because I'm lucky. I've got I've got to try and figure out a way to actually try and record this. You know, and try and because a lot of the times when we're talking, I can see what you're talking about in the back, and it's hard to. Are they textured when when they're built and when they're finished? Are they textured or are they covered in lacquer? Uh, no, they they have a, a very smooth finish. They're not a lacquer finish. They're a, a wax, a furniture wax finish. Yep. Uh, they're nice to touch and they're, they're very extremely smooth. Yep. Uh, but they're also sealed, so you could uh, you could work in CD bars and spill beer on them all night. Yep. And the fabric would be unaffected. Yeah. So, do you? The electronics would be rooted, but the fabric would be just. Yeah. <laughs> you can always replace the electronics. That's okay. Yeah, that's right. Um. So I am going to ask you, and you don't need to. If this is if this is if this is a Pat Keegan secret, if this is this is perfectly fine. I'm I'm quite happy not to. But do you? Would you like to go over the procedure for that you use for actually? Doing doing the tops or give some kind of clues to people who might be interested out there of giving it a go themselves. Uh, glue the fabric on with with just the right amount of glue. Usually a PVA glue. Yeah. If you put too much on it, it comes through the fabric and it's it gets really messy. So oh, okay. You've got to muck around and find just the right quantity of glue. Yeah. Then then find a product. I'm not going to tell you the product I've that's found. The his, that's the mystery. <laughs> but there are products out there and you can you can look around and, and experiment and yep. find the product that seals the fabric and waterproofs it. Yep. And then uh, then find a nice wax finish to apply and, and give it a smooth smooth seal. Beautiful. Well, thank you for that. Thank you very much for that. That's, I, I that's do it. Right. I do appreciate. I'm sure there's other people out there who really appreciate you giving us that that insight into and how you do it. The the one tip with that is, it probably should be a nice, good quality cotton fabric. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. All right, that, lovely. In, in achieving that, that nice finish. That's wonderful. Now you do play guitar. You're not just a builder. You play, and you you you've you've got a band. And you're in a band. Yep, the Ruins is our. Is what we call ourselves. Yes. Just, yeah, we, we do about half a dozen gigs a year. Yep. We don't want to find out. Yes. Oh, there. <laughs> it just froze for a second. Sorry. <laughs> and we, yeah, I, I was saying we don't want to burn out. So, yeah. Um, a, a f not all of the band is retired yet. So. <laughs> We'll so you might you might increase to seven gigs a year once everyone has retired. You'll have more time on your hands to, to go out there and do a big we'll tour. We'll have to put that to the committee and see what they think about increasing the number of gigs. I've played in bands since I was 16, mainly yep. rock bands. Uh, through the 80s, so I played in uh, bush bands. Yes. It was the 80s. Things were different then. Yeah. <laughs> they certainly were. We just, yeah. my, my son and I just... Sorry, my son and I just sat down and watched... Um, uh, Back to the Future, the first, the first Back to the Future, and he was he was shaking his head. He was just shaking his head watching it. It just like it's, this is this is hilarious. Like it's you, you know you've got to live through these things, haven't you? Oh, it's just wonderful. So, what kind of music you're into? What what what, what kind of music is uh, loud, loud rock music? Yep, that's it. <laughs> just loud rock. That's it. Just 
as long as it's loud and as long as it's rock. So who are your favourite builders? Who are your favourite builders? Um, I, I don't know if I've got too many. Uh, there's a guy in Texas, his, uh, his brand is Cardinal Instruments. I like his work. With a C or a K? Um, sorry? With a C, C or a K? C. C. Cardinal Instruments. Yep. I just can't remember his name. Oh, look, there are just so many good builders out there, Adam, as you well know. It's, yeah. Yeah. I've, I love seeing everything they all do. Yeah. So, all right. So, as we're winding, as we're winding up, Pat, I'm just curious. Yep. We've got a couple of questions. I always like to ask, um, ask at the end of the interview. Um, the two things I, the, the two things I probably ask. What's, what's your, what's your tip for beginner, for beginner builders? Tip for beginner builders is to um, either find a, a local builder who who's happy to give you some time, or watch lots of youtube <laughs> well that's how i learned youtube and books that's basically it yeah and pulling yeah. pulling old guitars apart and seeing how they and seeing how they work and the the uh the last question i suppose is what's your secret weapon okay my secret weapon the, the thing that i couldn't build my electric guitars without is my uh neck center finder oh okay was that a laser a laser type? I started out using a, a, a little laser. Yep. But I've I've got uh, an acrylic template that comes from a, a mob in the states. I can't I can't recall their name, but if you if you Google guitar center finder, okay, yeah, it, it actually locks onto the guitar neck, butts up against the nut, and it has a, a center line inscribed on it. Yep. For, for locating your putting a center line on the body so so your geometry is is correct oh okay fantastic that's a that's a wonderful tip that's 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 great so hopefully people can get out there and 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 have a look at all of these companies that we've spoken about and also find you now how's the best way for us uh, out there to to find pat keegan guitars okay best way is uh instagram Pat Keegan guitars. Search, search for me on Instagram. Uh, and a little, also, yeah, a little point for yep. people with Instagram is don't try and search for Patrick Keegan because it doesn't come no. up. I, I, I tried looking for you when I wanted to go back through and 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 look mm-hmm. at the pictures and things again. I typed in Patrick Keegan and it doesn't come up, but it's Pat Keegan, not Patrick. Pat Keegan guitars, and also on Facebook if you search Pat Keegan guitars. Right. Okay. Now, if someone is interested in purchasing, I don't have a website. you don't have a website. No. No. So if if sorry, mate. Facebook and Instagram. Right. So if somebody is interested in purchasing one of your guitars. Uh, what's the What's the best course of action for them? Just shoot me a message on Facebook or um, or Instagram messages. Fantastic. All right. I think that's the first time I've said fantastic today. That's good, because I usually say it about 17,000 times during an interview. Oh, fantastic. Anyway, well, I'm not going to start. I am so happy for you, Andrew, that I could go up into my workshop and make wood dust. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Thank you we'll very fi- much for having me. I yep. appreciate, I appreciate uh, being asked. No, you're most welcome. Yeah, and I'm so glad I got to, got to have a chat with you. Hopefully, we'll stay in contact. Um, I will be up when you've got your new thickness up. Yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely, mate. You might, sh as I said, you probably need to show me how to use it effectively and properly. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. And a very big thank you to Pat Keegan from Pat Keegan Guitars down in Aladulla. Uh, be sure to check him out on Instagram and on Facebook and get in contact with him um, via Facebook if you're interested in chatting about one of his guitars. Uh, thanks again from me, Adam Harrison, and uh, you've been listening to the Handcrafted Guitar Builder. And, uh...